Thank you so much for being a listener of the Deep Believer Show. We love our listeners, we pray for our listeners, and we love to hear from our listeners. So if you have anything you'd like to say, if you have any testimonies, or if you have any questions, leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Again, we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being a listener of The Deep Believer Show. Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Bagnashi with Deep Believer. Our guest today, she died of an overdose. And when she died of an overdose, she was taken to a sort of mysterious place. She saw Jesus. She saw Jesus in two different ways. One way really amazed me. Another one amazed her. On top of that, Jesus revealed to her two important things that the world really needs to know. And these are things that we're so programmed to believe that she's actually going to dismantle that for us. Kim Kill, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And you're a blessing as well. Thank you so much. So let's start off. We want to know who you are. So Kim, how was your teenage life? Because that was pretty rough for you. Yeah, it was very dysfunctional. My mother um, was a musician. She played in a band. I'm going back to where I was like seven years old in birth. She played music in a band. She was a West Virginia mountain girl, coal mines, who loved the Lord. My grandpa was a preacher. Mama was a guitar picker, singer, loved the Lord. They're Pentecostal, okay? Because that's what most people are in the mountains. And uh, when then here I come, I'm the last one of four. And uh, she quit going to church and started playing in the country bars and stuff. And well, by the age of seven, she decided to send me to church on a church bus. So every Sunday I get sent to church and I'm at the altar praying, God, please save my mama, save my mama. Save. And then one time, a few years later, mama's picking in the bar and she drops her guitar, puts it in her case and walks into the church. And the pastor's like, look, God answered this little girl's prayer. Here's her mama. Okay. So now from seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, we're at church every twice on Sunday and Wednesday night. And I'm young. I know that father Abraham had many sons. I know Jesus loved little children, yellow, red, yellow, black, and white were all precious in his sight. I knew he died, but I didn't know any other thing. I didn't know no, nothing else, just kid stuff. Um, but I loved him. I knew that. And when I was nine years old, I had my first encounter with Jesus that I didn't know. Now, this was in my bedroom. We had just come home from church, and I go in my bedroom, and I laid down between the two night and day to take a nap between the two church sessions. And I had not, I just got in my bed. I had those wide awake, wide awake. And I get in my bed and I start feeling something grab my feet. And I knew it was evil and I couldn't see who it was, but he's pulling me, it was the devil. He was pulling me, I'm kicking to stay on the bed and he's pulling me off the bed. And while he's pulling, I'm kicking and I knew it was Satan. And then my bedroom door is in front of me and it bust open. And I knew that was Jesus. I didn't see nobody, but I knew that was Jesus. When the door busts open, the pulling stops. And now the door is going boom, boom, bam, 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 bam. And I'm watching, I'm sitting up in bed just watching this. And then wham, it busts open. And the sunny haze came from my bedroom door across. And I'm looking at it going, wow. It's all crystalline stuff and shimmery and sunny and beautiful and peaceful. And I noticed, I'm thinking, wow, that's so peaceful. And I knew Jesus won, but I didn't understand about no Shekinah glory at that time. I didn't really understand that till these past two and a half years when I gave my life to Jesus. But so I went up and told my mom what just happened. And she said, well, it's going to be a battle over your soul. I said, well, this one over everybody's soul. So why did I see that? Because it was just as vivid. And I learned to come to understand that's an open vision when you're, when you're there and it's happening. You get your night visions when it's like a dream, but you're there. And then you got your dreams. Well, this was an open vision. And uh, I didn't know what the world it meant. And I get older. And about the age of 11 or 12, I start getting a bunch of trouble because my family is very dysfunctional. And um, got in a bunch of trouble. My older siblings had already moved out. So I kind of was raised up alone in the house. Them three are closer in age than me. So it's kind of by myself. They included themselves some, you know, as much as they could. But I didn't really grow up with them. So I just felt very alone and stuff. And my stepdad and I didn't get along, couldn't stand him, you know, and it was just a bunch of stuff. It was just a mess. So I got into drugs and partying and running away all the time. 
Um, then I got put in detention homes constantly, constantly, until I got three years in a juvenile penitentiary where they said, if your parents don't let you come home by the time you're 18, we're going to put you in a women's penitentiary till you're 21. So I told my stepdad, who I didn't get along with, if you let me come home, I'll join the military. Well, that didn't happen. I got pregnant instead, started spitting out kids, you know, and then I knew I had to change as far as the drugs go, but drinking I was really drinking at that time but that didn't work out because I got worse into drinking and on drugs really bad into drugs but um I didn't know what the world that meant and uh, I started dabbling in witchcraft tarot cards and everything was coming out so accurate so accurate with readings and stuff Ouija boards and uh just getting and I knew that was wrong so I started trying to get out of that and when I started trying to get out of that I would have fingers running through my hair when I was trying to sleep. I would levitate off the floor. And I went to one of my female friends to come to church with me. And I didn't want to go to church with her. But I finally went. She said, there's this prophet named Bobby Brown that's coming from Pennsylvania. And this, this was probably about 20 years ago. And I went with her. And I'm sitting in the back of the church. And he comes and gets me and calls me up and uh pulls me up to the altar and he's prophesying over me. And I'm thinking this man's so full of baloney, right? I didn't even hear what he's prophesying. And then he stopped. He said, ma'am, God told me to tell you, he sees you when you're at home alone and you're crying. You don't know why you're crying. And I was like, oh, I did that every day that week. So I listened. Now my ears was up and he started saying, the devil's going to try to steal your life uh, through taking yourself out. Right. And I'm trying to be careful what I say here on the internet. He said, uh, the devil's going to try to steal your life through that, okay? And he said, you know, God's going to use you in his kingdom. God's going to give you songs to write and all this stuff that I didn't really understand because I was like, none of that's going to happen. But I heard him. So I didn't know what, you know, I walked away from that. And I didn't quite know what um, what he was saying that stuff over me for, you know? And then I get, I, I'm fighting off these demons trying to come out of this witchcraft. And I go to this church just in the middle of my, on a road my sister lives on. I've never been in that church. And I walk in that church and I had enough fighting these demon spirits I couldn't see. I didn't know what to do about it. I'd, I'd get, I could feel them hovering over my bed like giants, man. And I could freeze. I couldn't say Jesus. I couldn't say anything. So I went in that church. I'm like, you guys, I need help. I said, I'm not crazy, but I'm fighting off demonic spirits that I can't see. And I'm telling you, I'm in a battle. I need help. They bring me to the altar. They all pray over me and make me say the sinner's prayer and all that stuff. And I did. Now I was praying with my mouth shut. Nobody heard me. I was saying, God, you got to You got to protect me now. You got to protect me. You got to protect me. And I was just saying that to myself. And this man to my left started crying. He said, ma'am, this has never happened to me before, but I just heard in my left ear that since you're asking for protection, God is sending angels to protect you right now. And I was like, what? And I run out to church and they're like, why'd you run? I said, because that man didn't know what I was saying to God. And that's exactly what I said. And why do I need angels with an S on the end? How many demons I got after me? So I didn't know. And they said, we want to take you to a crusade with us this weekend, a Benny Hinn crusade. I never heard of that man in my life. And I said, okay. So I went with them. And he said, people have been set free from witchcraft. Do you want to come up here? Well, I'm lined up in the line at that Coliseum, like a hundredth person way on back. He comes off the stage, walks all the way down, passes all those people straight to me, pull her up here. And my goodness, he took me up on the stage and was come out of her, come out of her. And I was flying all over the stage, flying back and pick her up, pick her up, pick her up. And I remember I didn't get hurt, but it was moving so fast. I remember being on my stomach on that stage, being on my stomach. And it felt to me like my legs and head was bending backwards, like I was bending backwards, like it's what it felt like to me. And I felt his foot on my back come out in the name of Jesus. And it did. And I felt like I had a shower, man, a shower. And I, when I got down to the stage, I asked my group I was with, I said, was I, was I bending backwards? They said, no, you was levitated about four feet off the ground. That's why his foot was on your back. He's pushing you back down. Now I hadn't had, I know that when you uh, go back out into the world, seven times more evil spirits can come in you. Um, what came back into me, which they did was exactly what was, uh, said over me um took myself out you know i just got really bad on drugs and stuff i got where i didn't do what what god was given in the prophecy give your life to me depend on me i didn't do that so what he said was going to happen it happened 
and I did not give my life to the Lord. Okay. And I got really, I did a lot of horrible things, man. The drugs and alcohol took over me, my personality, my character, everything. And I became abusive, uh, verbally, physically, all just a mess. And I had done some things I could not forgive myself for. You understand? So speed it forward. Let me go back to one thing. My mother got really sick with pneumonia and I've never seen her sick. And she was, she was a God to me in my life. My, not God. My mother was my God. Okay. And um, I worshiped her. All right. And I feared the day that I was going to lose her. I feared that more than anything in the sun. And she got really sick in the hospital with pneumonia. And uh, she was getting worse and worse and worse. And I remember praying to God. I said, God, I said, listen, God, I said, I need you to take this from my mama. I'll take it. Give it to me. Take it out of her. Put it in me. I'll take it. Just help her. Within an hour, the nurse comes in, checking my mom and stuff, said, I think we're going to let you go home. And I started feeling sick. I said, could you take my temperature, please? Well, that day, mama gets released and goes home. And I get admitted in the hospital for three days with pneumonia, double pneumonia. And while I'm in the hospital, sicker than a dog, and she's at home healing, God answered that. I heard angels singing in my room at the ceiling. I heard them singing. And I called the nurse. And I'm like, can you please? I'm so sick, man. Can you please tell these people to turn the TV down? It's so a beautiful song, but so loud. She said, ma'am, uh, there's nobody in that room. And there is no room over there. And I was still hearing them. I heard them. I was like, oh, I got up so sick as I was. Took my IV, walked to the wall. I'm like, you don't hear that. You know, I heard it plain as day, thousands of them. It's so beautiful. And since I was a little girl, sometimes I could smell the smell, the smell. And I've searched Macy's, JCPenney's, everywhere. I bought every anointing oil there is to buy on the internet to see if this is what I smell. And there's nothing on this earth that smells like it. Okay. And it is this particular smell that just whoof, by my nose. And I'd be, you know, well, the morning he took my mother home, the night before he took my mama home, he, she went with dementia and Alzheimer's. And I was so angry at God, so angry at God for taking her that way. I could believe it. And I remember I was violently cussing God out that night. Really volatile stuff that like straight out the bowels of you know where. And I was so hurt, man. And then a few hours later, he takes her. And I'm just all to pieces. And I, I fall back on the couch because I've had a rough night. And I slept about 15 minutes. And I come forward, I wake up, because I know we got to go to the funeral home here in about an hour. And I smell that smell. I wake up sniffing. It's so strong in my house, that smell. I smelled it all over the place. And I told my husband, do you smell that? Do you? He said, I don't smell nothing. I said, how could you not? It's everywhere. And I was like, I know what it is. I know what it is. Hey, God's going to help me get through it. God is, I don't know what it is. It's either Jesus, angels, is something from heaven. I don't know exactly, but it's something from heaven. And I smelled it and I knew what it was. I didn't think it was my mother. I knew what it was. It's heaven, it's something, Jesus, something from heaven. And he allowed a very horrible thing to happen that day to me because I, he created every one of us for a purpose, right? My purpose, I wasn't doing. I wasn't even trying to do what God created me here for to do at all. I was living in the world, big time. The world was my God. Um, I didn't need God, you know, didn't care about God. Well, the day he took my mother home, he shut the doors off. I'll say to all my siblings, he shut the doors around me off and I was alone. And I did not know that was going to happen. And he taught me to forgive through that too. It's like, he said, Kim, this is what I saved you for. You're not doing it. So down to your knees, down, now's the time. Boom, shut the doors, I'm, I'm alone now. I don't have my mom, my stepdad, because he passed a week before her. Um, my siblings, all, every, all the doors were shut off around me alone. And I was going to do it again, take myself again. I couldn't handle it. But before we get there, I want to go back because I have a few questions for you because that's the part that we're going to talk about. Now, I want to go back really quickly when you were younger and when you said that 
um, a demonic spirit had come. He said it was devil who came and grabbed you when you were a little girl. How did you know it was the devil? And did you ever know anything about the supernatural realm? Because I know you were from a Pentecostal church. Was that something fairly new to you, that supernatural experience between good and evil, between heaven and hell? That was brand new to me because when the, the Sundays I went to church, I stayed in little children's church and I knew the devil was bad, but I didn't know much about spiritual stuff really at all. I was too, too young. No, I, did, I just knew when I felt them, them hands around my feet, them long fingers and stuff, grab my feet. It was evil. I just knew. I just knew who it was. And when that door busted open, there was nobody there. I knew that was Jesus. And I knew when the door, they were fighting. And then I knew. Jesus just won. And then that, that Shekinah glory come through. And I knew that was peaceful. You know, I just knew, I just knew, I don't know how to explain it that I knew. I just knew just like the day I took, I did take myself because there was uh, my life escalated into all kinds of trauma, um, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, everything was abuse coming from me. And um, I was sick of it. And I was screaming out to God, God, can you forgive me? Can you forgive me? I heard nothing. Got nothing, nothing, nothing. I said, God, if you don't answer me, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to do this. Okay? But why? So, why did you feel like you had to do that? Just the things that I had done that I couldn't forgive myself for. A lot of uh, things I'd done to my kids. I was very abusive to them. You understand? I almost drew one of my kids to, to doing, uh, taking himself out mm. from what I said to him. I was just a volatile, abusive person. And I was abusing my children. They were young teenagers, you know? And um, I had told my son, I was abusing my daughter. I was abusing my son. And they wanted to take themselves out. Let's put it that way. And it almost happened, okay? And I couldn't forgive myself for how I was. And I couldn't seem to change. And just didn't look like there was no future. I didn't want to be here anymore. And forgiving yourself, God's taught me, is a very important, very important. Because we're up against a battle, a spiritual battle, man, where Satan wants us to take ourselves out of here. That's what he wants, you know? So God can't use us for his glory. But so I heard nothing. And then finally I said, well, I know where I'm going and I can't live with all the stuff that I have done. So I took a bottle and a half of pills, Percocet and Xanax. And I knew I took enough to kill a cow. And I knew this was it. So I lay back on my bed and I'm looking out the window, which is in the right corner. And I'm thinking, this is it, man. This is my thoughts. And about 10 minutes, I'm, I'm not going to even exist anymore. I'm going to be in hell. That's where I'm going to be. I'm, and, and it's over. And then I just went on out. And then next thing you know, I'm stepping through something. I didn't see like everybody else, tunnels and lights and stuff like that. I literally saw, I don't know what it was, some kind of a curtain, I guess. And I saw my left leg actually step and I ducked. I stepped in through something and I'm in the desert. There's desert. And I actually step in looking that way. I'm like, what in the world? And I'm like, I'm in the desert. And there's nothing there but a barn and a white fence in front of me. That's all I see right now. That's it. And I look to my right and there's my mother. And I knew I was behind me. I remember looking behind me thinking I'm back there. What am I doing here? Where am I? I don't believe in no purgatory. So where am I? And what are you doing here, mom? Because you're alive. What are you doing here? So I walk over to her thinking this. And she said, look, there's Jesus. And she points to the barn. And I turn around and look. And I'm thinking, I don't want to see him because I know what I had done to get there. And then you're talking about standing in front of <laughs> Jesus with all that baggage of sin. But we walk up towards that way, towards the fence, which on the other side of it is a barn. And I see Jesus sitting there on the right side of the barn, sitting on a stump. He had that dark curly hair. He looked like a kid, about 12 years old. He was a kid. And there was older men sitting around him on the ground lounging and he was teaching them. They were just lounging and listening with all this curiosity and stuff and fascinators listening. And so now I'm walking, walking on down. I'm looking back thinking, why does he look like a kid? You know, and now I'm walking down the fence and I'm noticing this white fence. I keep seeing this, this fence and I'm walking and I see the end of it. And I notice this is the end of the fence, right? 
And when I'm getting ready to take my next step past the end of that fence, I hear a voice right here behind me on my right side. One more step, you'll be in outer darkness and you're not coming back. So I stopped and I turned around and look and there's Jesus as a man. I'd say about 33 like he was. I don't know how old he was, but around that age, you know, that was him as a man on this side. And now I back up and we're staring face to face, a couple feet apart, just staring. And he just gave me the blankest stare, which really scared me. Okay, he gave me the blankest stare. He just. Now, was it a scary look or was it a stern look? It was a stern look. It scared me because I was like, you felt convicted. What's he, what he want to throw me? What did he stop me for? What do you want to throw me in there and stuff? I didn't know what it was. It's just a stare. It wasn't a scary, frightful look. It was a stern, like, this is, this is your judgment, Kim. Think about your life. And I did. I can remember every sin I've ever done and just a flash, boom, just kind of, boom, I can see it all. And he let me stand there and do it for a couple of seconds. I don't know how long, just a, a little while. And then he nodded his head down. And he smiled the most beautiful smile. And he reached his hand across that fence, his right hand, uh, which it trips me out now when I read about his righteous right arm. Because I've seen a couple of things on his right arm. He put his right hand on my left shoulder right here. And he said, I forgive you. He said, you're going to teach the people my word. He said, my own people do not know my word. And they don't know how to hear me. My people don't know what it means to believe. My people don't know what it means to be baptized in the water. And when his hand was there, he just in an instant let me feel pain, horrific pain that I knew he felt. It was all unknowing. I didn't do any talking. He did all the talking. He didn't even move his mouth. It didn't, I didn't even think about that. I heard him so clear. And he's right there. He didn't need to move his mouth. I wasn't even thinking about that, but he didn't. But he was showing me this pain. He let me feel this pain that we cause him. We do that to him. When we get caught up in a bunch of junk or we ignoring him and we ain't spending time with him, we reject him, but we don't put him first, you know, and then it flipped to this love, this incredible love, and I knew that it was so powerful and so pure that I knew it was just a little bit of what he had, but I also knew it was power. That little bit was more than I could handle, and I knew there was so much more that if he would have gave it to me, I would have internal combustion and exploded. <laughs> you know, I couldn't handle all that, and he, when he was letting me feel that love, he turned his head and looked out to him me looking at him, he looked out to the left. So he looked out, out, and I turned to see what's he looking at. And I have to turn to the right. I turned to see what he's looking at. And I'm like, oh man, he was just looking out into the world. I was like, he feels this way about every single person. I knew that. I was like, he loves everybody individually like this. And uh, it was a lot of love, man, a lot of powerful love. And when he was, now when that was done, and now he showed me these men that he was teaching on the right side of the barn. Now they're over here in front of the barn out in the uh, desert. And he showed me them unanimously. He said, they're trying to understand my word without the Holy, letting the Holy Spirit teach them. Holy Spirit is the revealer. We got to go seek them, right? Let him listen for him. But they wasn't doing that. They was in a circle and they were like, what do you think this means? What do you think this means? And they unanimously voted. He said, there goes doctor, destructive doctrines throughout the generation. That's not my word. Not Say my that word. one more time, because I mean, that's something really important. How you said it's not my doctrine. What do you mean by that? When Jesus said that. Destructive doctrines. Uh, There's just basically that, that people don't know what it means to be baptized in the water, for example. A lot of people think that if they just say, Jesus, be Lord in my life, forgive me, and they go dunk them down the river, they're saved and they can live any way they want to. They didn't get baptized in the living water that he told Nicodemus, you must be born by to get into heaven, which is his word. It is letting the word of God transform our life. Like, like we're spirit and soul. You know, we know our spirit is our five senses, smell, see, hear, taste, touch. Our soul is our personality, character, our behavior. Jesus came to save our soul which means we got to transform the way we think, our behavior, the way we act. And when we do that, it will affect our spirit with what we see and touch and taste and hear, what we listen to, what we're looking at. You know, oh, there'll be a big transformation there. But people in the world, Christians, his church, aren't, they're not really seeming to understand. And a lot of these pastors aren't explaining it, what it means to be baptized in the water. This is important. 
but it's a statement of faith after you've made the original statement to give yourself to Jesus. But he told me, he said, people want me to save them, but they don't want to make me Lord of their life. In other words, Jesus told us, he said, follow me. But we, the people tell him, no, Jesus, you follow me. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. I want, I want very pride to pride. Satan's biggest uh, tool he has is pride. And he brings that in the church. He's in the churches as an angel of light. Jesus said he's infiltrated the churches. Uh, that's why he gave me a church with no walls. Jesus ordained me to teach and preach his word. He did. I got two weeks into the eighth grade education. Sometimes when you'd see me teaching, I'll be spelling the words wrong on the board. But I'm like, y'all know what I'm saying here. I'll tell you what the word is. I don't have the, but I ain't the brightest crayon on the box. But you don't have to be to let God use you. You don't have to be the brightest crayon in a box to give your life to Jesus and go seek him and get a hunger for him and let him use you because every single one of you is on this earth for him to use, to give him glory, to love other people. My whole time with him was about choices and about helping and loving other people because when we show that love to other people, we are experiencing a piece of heaven right here on earth, God's presence. And that's what it's all about, giving your life to Jesus and making him Lord of your life. That's really good. That's really good. So I'm going to go back because you basically told us your whole story. So let's dive in a bit. So when you went to church that time, when you were dabbling into witchcraft, you said that you were raised in a Pentecostal church and you knew about the supernatural, like especially after you were uh, nine years old and had that experience and your parents were saved and all this, but what made you dabble into witchcraft, knowing that, you know, this is completely against what God stands for? Well, I totally walked away from God. You know, like I said, I, I was in a dysfunctional family. My father, my stepdad, I was mentally abused by him. Um, I was watching him physically abuse my siblings and they, they left and now I'm there alone. You know, he was abusing my mother mentally, mentally, I was watching it all. Um, I wanted to make sure my stepdad didn't do to me what he did to my sister, which was make a pass at her. So I become this big, bad, tough bully. I want to make sure he could stand me. Right. So I, and then I just got real rebellious. I got very rebellious. You know, I was always, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I've always, uh, I was a fighter, you know, big time. What do you mean? Really, right. Like a, a combative with your words or a physical fighter? Physical. Every bar I went to, I got barred out of for fighting. I was a fighter. I did, but I always gave that an excuse that I always fought for people that were getting mistreated. I'd go beat the person up that was mistreating them, right? But Jesus, you know, and at, when Jesus was telling me all this, you're going to teach my word. You're going to do any, I didn't understand. I was like, I don't need, I didn't know what the word was, what word. I didn't know then what word was, what was word. How was I going to do anything? But now when he let me, when he shut the world down from me, man, two and a half years ago, I had nowhere to go but to him, nowhere. And now he is my God. And now with what's going on in the world, I can't believe I'm saying it, ever can say it, that I thank him for keeping my mom safe where she's at. I thank him for looking out for her. I look at this life as a vacation. Now I'm driving through, I'm making a bathroom stop here in this world and I'm on my way to heaven, you know, and I just got to stay on the path, the right path, make the right turns by following Jesus. And I'll get there and I'll see my mama. I'll see Jesus. I'll see all this, everybody I love again. You know, he's taught me how to keep my mind set on him. And he took the darkest moment of my life when I didn't know no people, um, when all this happened 18 years ago, I didn't have no internet. I didn't know how none of this was going to happen. I really didn't. That's why I swept it under the rug. You know, I didn't know what the world, what he meant by any of it until now. The day after I did that, when he said, give your life to me, go live for me. That's when I came up in my bedroom, violently puking up all these pills. I was throwing up everything I had in my body. And the next day, my sister calls me who lives about 45. She didn't know nothing had just happened. She had no idea. The next day she's like, Kim, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but you need to change it. I had a dream last night. You were burning in hell. And that scared me to death. Cause I was like, 
she don't know that last night I almost went to hell. She don't had shit. And then I was like, oh man, did God tell her everything I'd done? I was like, did God show her that too? I was scared. I didn't know what to do with it. I really didn't. And I didn't know what any of this meant until these past two and a half years when I really gave Jesus my life, my heart, and I follow him. I really do. To the bed, no, I slip up. I do sometimes slip up. I've had a couple slip ups where I told my grandson, I'm gonna come across this counter and whip your ARS. You know what I mean? And then I was like, oh Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I was like, and the devil's like, you can't do what you do anymore. Look at you, dumb. Now, no, Satan, get behind me. I'm sorry, Jesus. And I do my best not to do that again. You know, and, and it's, a, it's a learning process. We may slip up, but he taught me to get up. Because when we walk as human beings, like Satan didn't want this recording to happen because I fell all the way down the stairs coming down to the basement. I just fell like in the dark. I fell all the way downstairs. And, but I said, thank you, God. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Get your word out, God, to the people. You know, he taught me to follow him, uh, seek his will, not Kim's will, his will. You know, just just abide and abide, abide. He'll be having me uh, making my videos and stuff. And um, he had me writing and he teaches me. He does. No people. I had nobody taught me nothing. He does. And it's an anointing, but that's what he does. And I'll be on the board writing like, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he'll be like, stop. It take my hand and circle if, if, circle, circle, if, 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 circle, <laughs> and I'm circling. And then he got me circling and, 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 understand it. If means it's your choice. He's talking to someone who just got saved, y'all. You just gave your life to Jesus. Now he told you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, means keep going. You know, one thing that was really uh, hard on, on Jesus was, and I'll say it here, is this once saved, always saved stuff. It's the biggest lie Satan has out there, y'all. And I'll tell you, the church was arguing, but don't just let the word do the talking to you, y'all, because this was heavy on God's mind, and it still is. That's why he says, if, 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 if you abide in me and, and my word abides in you, who's the first one to give it up? I don't like to say we lose it, but we give it up. Lucifer, he was covering God's stone. He walked away. Adam and Eve, he was created with God's spirit in them in their glorified bodies. They gave it up. They walked away, shoved them out. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, so much that we do that hurts God. The bottom line is it's a very narrow road of people who really are letting Jesus be Lord of your life. Continue in. That's big to him, y'all. That's really big to him. So I want to go back though, when you were in the hospital with your mother and you prayed to the Lord for you to take the sickness that she had. And when he gave you that sickness, because you asked for it, did you feel like you were going to die that night because you asked for that sickness? I mean, cause you smelled a beautiful aroma. Did you feel like that was heaven coming for you? And really quickly before that, were you even born again during this time? No, I wasn't. I was not born again. I was in a backslidden state, but I didn't smell that at the, I didn't smell that um, when mama got sick. I heard the angels singing in my Oh room. yeah, that's right. You did. You heard it. And I don't know how, if I was about to die or not, but I was really, I was sick enough for them to admit me in the hospital. You know, I was in the emergency room. At, well, I left mama. She went home. I went home and she's home now a couple hours and I'm getting sicker and sicker by the moment, man. Sicker, sicker. And I told my husband, I need to go to emergency room later on that evening. And they're, they're taking me and all of a sudden they're flipping my bed upside down. Here comes IVs, call an ambulance, take me to the hospital. I'm really sick. I don't know if I was about to die or not, but I sure felt like it. And I heard them angels in my room singing. And no, I was not. I was in a backslidden state. But I know that God allowed, obviously he didn't take me. So I know God was showing me there is an anointing on my life, but I wasn't. It wasn't in effect because I had the switch turned off. But it's like God was showing me all these things. Kim, this is this is what you're supposed to. This is what you're here for. Girl, wake up, wake up. And now that I have woken up, really, and give my life to the Lord, man, I live a supernatural life every day. I understand. I understand. That's what blows my mind. God does bless me, y'all. He don't bless me without saying money. Uh, that ain't a blessing. He blesses me with what matters. During the darkest time of my life, he put me on here 
to help all these people, which I do, which in turn help me because I don't have time to sit around and dwell on anything. You know, I had to uh, reach out and help people and it helped me, you know, and he waited to the, he just shut the world, he shut the world down around me. That's all he did to bring me down to my knees. So I understand that when bad things happen, you think this got to be from the bowels of you know where. Um, it'll be God sometimes bringing you to your knees to wake you up and then he'll bless you. Don't forget that part, y'all. When you obey God, we teach obedience big around here. He blesses you with what matters. He blesses me with understanding when I'm studying his work and just mega understanding so I can go share it. He blesses me with this joy when the circumstance was still going on, the joy. I couldn't scream. I couldn't cry anymore. Um, I had this joy, this peace. I'm like, where's this coming from? You know, um, I could I could continue to function. You know, he blesses how it really matters. And he is blessing me. I ain't gonna lie. He blessing me up, down, front, and left and right, y'all. But I abide in him and I motivate. I don't know what I am. I don't know what to tell you. God has showed me prophecy. I don't call myself a prophet. I don't know what to call myself, say truth, but I know he's teaching me prophecy. The, the first six to nine months that I, I lost my family because my sisters and brothers, everybody um, cut me out uh, when the day we lost her mom. And Why? Why did they cut you out? I still don't know why. Don't know why. Don't know why. They Are you in communication with them now? Now I am. As And God, and God taught me through that. He, he taught me. That's how I'm able to forgive whatever the reason is. Because he shut, he allowed that to happen. Because if that hadn't happened, um, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't be in a relationship with God today. I know that. Um, I would just be, I don't know, I'd be doing the same old stuff I was doing. But he shut the, the, my life out around me, man. And I had to go to him. And he let it happen that way for about a year and a half. And then he started, when he seen I was being faithful to him, boom, a door. Here comes my oldest sister, phone call. And I abide longer in about nine more months. Boom, here comes a phone call from my brother. And then the one that I, you know, I love them. But my, my, one, my one sister, I was so close to her, still am, love her a whole lot. Um, that one took a little bit longer. And I don't know why, okay? But I know why God let it happen. Boom, all the doors are open now. Just the last one open cr around Christmas. Boom, now I got all my family. We had our first Christmas in three, almost three, yeah, three years this past Christmas. And we don't talk about it. I don't even ask them why they, I don't ask them why. Cause I know why God let it happen. If it Amen. didn't happen that way, I'm telling you, I'd probably be in the pit by now. I would Amen. not be doing what I'm doing. And uh, sometimes he got to bring us down to our knees and wake us up. I'm going to go back to your experience when you met Jesus, because I think that's a profound part of your testimony. So when you overdosed, did anything change for you? Because I know you said you didn't even know that you passed out. How did that transition work? So you took the pills and then you expected to die, but what, how was the transition for you? Well, I, I, the last thing I remember was laying in bed, waiting, waiting for it to kick in. And that's the last thing I do remember until I stepped through something. I just saw myself stepping through something. Did you feel your spirit or soul lift up out of your body? I didn't feel anything like that. I didn't see anything. I just literally saw me stepping through the desert. <laughs> you know, I don't know, man, if I was in body or out of body, I really don't know. Mm -hmm. But I know that everything he showed me, you know, and when I came back, I remember thinking, man, the way he was looking at me with just that somber look for just a few minutes. And then the stuff he told me, you're going to teach my word. You're going to do that. And I was like, it, it didn't lie. It didn't, I didn't understand it. And I remember for a minute, I was like, could that have been the devil? As angel of light. And then I heard Kim, the devil would have let you walk into outer darkness. He wouldn't have sent you back to, to do anything for God's kingdom. No, it was Jesus. But now, like I went 16 years not understanding that desert. I didn't understand any of it. But did you wonder where you were? Did you like, because you're like, this isn't heaven and this isn't hell. Did you wonder where you were? Yes, I did for 16 more years. Where am I? I was in the desert. I don't believe in no purgatory, you know, so I don't. You know, was I in heaven? I don't know where I was, but I was in the desert and it was barren. And I didn't understand any of the desert or anything he said or showed me or nothing until April 24, 2020, when I really gave my life to him. From then until this point today, he's still revealing stuff to me about the desert. It's still coming. I'm still in the desert. So the first thing he revealed to me was a couple of weeks or so after I was saved, 
And I hear him so clear, that fence, because I couldn't quit thinking about that fence for 16 years. I was Jesus. And I keep thinking about a fence. And that struck me, why you keep thinking about that fence? Fence, 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 through all them years. That's the first thing he revealed to me, Kim. That fence was your sins. It was between me and you the whole time. He was basically taking me 16 years into the future. When I, when, when I take your mother home with me is when this is going to happen. You're going to go to hell on earth, Kim. And I saw his muscles on his arms. When he turned around to look where he was as a kid over there, when he turned around, I don't know what he's doing, but he, I seen his muscles right here. He had a robe on. He seen the muscles. And I was like, man, and that's exactly what I thought. I said, Jesus been up there pumping iron or something. His arms is fit. He was fit. And then I never thought no more about that. Never. I keep thinking about that fence. That fence is your sins, Kim. You tear it down. And you saw my muscles because that's my strength that I'm going to give to you when you have none. And it's honest to God, it is. It's his strength. So I know why I saw his arm. I know why I saw that fence. I know now why he told me why I saw him teaching as a kid on the other side. He said, Kim, because you're going to be young spiritually when I put you out there to teach my word, which is what he's doing. I ain't gone to no school, no church since I was a kid, no theological school, no nothing. Listen to no pastors. I do none of that. I hear him, you know, and that's happening. And you saw your mother because this is going to happen to you a time in your life when I bring your mother home, you know, and you're in the desert, Kim, because you're barren. This is your barn, Kim. This is your barn. There's nothing in it. It's empty. I created you and put you on this planet to guide sheep into this barn. That's what I do. Get in there. Go that way. Go that way. Get in there. Get that way. You know, we're like a tour guide. You're going to heaven. Go that way. Go that way. And I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing any of it. So I know what my desert was, but now I'm living it. I'm, I'm experiencing it now. These paths still experiencing it today. What I really enjoyed about your testimony when you reached out, when you shared it to me, did you realize that you saw, it's as if you went back in time, almost like a time travel. You saw Jesus, how the Bible describes what Jesus did, how when Jesus, not Jesus, I'm sorry, when Mary and Joseph was looking for Jesus, when they were traveling back home, they realized that Jesus was back back the other way, teaching the elders and, and teaching, teaching those who actually knew scripture. And what you were seeing was Jesus, 12 years old, teaching those, teaching older people who actually more than likely probably knew the word. Did you realize that, am I going back in time where I'm in biblical times in this portion of, of this vision that I'm having, or, or when you died, did you feel like you went back in time to see a part of Jesus' life and maybe what it reflected on you? I didn't realize that until yesterday when you brought that up because God will speak through the church. God speaks through the church sometimes. And I was still trying to figure out, yeah, what, 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 what? <laughs> I do understand why he was young teaching, but I do see now how he, honest to God, did take me back 2,000 years in time because there he was, was short, short little curly hair as 12 years old. So obviously I was back, back, but you know what else he said when he had, when there's other, now I have one more question. He's still revealing to me what I saw those men. I asked him, I said, God, what are those men angels? Cause they look like men to me, Pharisees. They look like scribes or something. They had the long robes on. Could it maybe it were angels? I don't know. But anyway, that's a question I have. He'll tell me when he's ready, but now they were over here in the front, not on the side. They were in the front when they unanimously voting. And he said, there's, destructive doctrines throughout the generation he looked at me he said i have no part of religion or denomination he said it all divides my body you got your baptists here that believe in tongues your southern baptists don't believe in tongues or vice versa and you got this group this it's all divided up he said it's a intimate personal heart-to-heart -heart relationship with the true living god and that is what it is well, I didn't understand that either. Well, I heard everything he said, but I understand it now. I understand everything he showed me now. I may not, I'm still getting revelation of things he showed me. Everything I saw, I don't remember seeing no pupils in his eyes. I stared in his eyes. And I've asked him this too. He got, for me, they were the bluest eyes I've ever seen. And not a blue on this earth, but that blue, and they had like crystals in it. Just pure and power. And I remember looking, I mean, I don't see no pupils in there, but I didn't think about that no more. You know, I wasn't standing there 
flipping out on what he looked like. And when I turned around, I knew him. I knew I knew him. And I'm telling you the truth, it is like this. It was like as if you're in the woods doing something sneaky. You know, maybe you're doing drugs or something. You turn around and there's your daddy standing there. You're like, oh, Lord, there he is. There, it was just like that. And I knew I knew him so much I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it. I knew him and I knew I had hurt him. And I knew he had a purpose for me. I just didn't know what the world, um, the stuff he was telling me, how was I going to do any of that? But I'm doing it now. It's all happening, you know, and I didn't have to try to make it happen. All I had to do was surrender my life to him. And it's just happening. And that's what I mentioned earlier, how those were the two things that may shock people, how Jesus told you face to face that he has no part in religion nor denomination. Now, there are some people who are like, well, religion helped me. What do you say to people who are saying that right now? Well, I feel like religion helped me. I just focus them. I have a lot of people coming uh, with all kinds of stuff. I just say focus on the word, the word and your heart and, and letting God transform you according to the word, not to everything you heard, the word. Everything we need to know is in the word. It's all right there. You know, and, and people say, I wish I could hear God. I remember when this first, when I first got saved and started doing my YouTube thing, people was coming like, I wish I knew God's will for my life. I wish I knew. And I was like, God, what do I tell these people in the beginning? He said, tell them to know my will. Know my will. So that's what he taught me to teach his will, his way, his purpose, his character, him, you know, and then we adjust. We got to make some major adjustments in our life to join God in what he's doing. And he, that's what he teaches me, how to make those major adjustments and how to share it so that we can, you know, pride, pride keeps coming up. A lot of the church has pride. Jesus told me Satan's infiltrated the church, not all of them, but a lot of them stand there with a big, beautiful uh, sanctuary, beautiful windows and stuff and teaching destructive doctrines that will confuse you. That doesn't line up with God's word. It's a very narrow road. My fingers broke, so I can't help that. It's a very narrow road of people actually letting Jesus be Lord of their life. Following him, abiding is huge. Getting baptized in the water that will save you. His word, meaning adjust your life to it. And that's your choice. I think a lot of people think that God has some magic fairy dust who will come sprinkle on you and also everything going to change. We got to put our effort into it. The Bible does say we can't do anything spiritually, but there is stuff we have to do. We got to choose. We got to make choices. You choose to give your life to him. You choose to start breaking these strongholds. And then when Jesus sees you choose it and you're trying everything you can do, he'll come in and do what you can't do. Holy Spirit is ain't to do it for you. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He didn't say, I'll come do it all for you. He said, I'll help you. It's a relationship. And Jesus done his part and he's still doing it. But what about us? Are we doing our part? You know, we got a lot to do. We got to make major adjustments. He taught me that to join him in what he's doing. I had to quit cussing. I used to cuss like a sailor. The first two weeks I was cussed. I mean, the first two weeks I was saved, the cuss words was coming out when I, you know, I was in heavy grieving. I just lost my family. And I was praying to God, GD, God, you know, and I was cussing, crying to God. And I was like, I can't do this, God. I can't, I can't quit cussing. I can't do this. And then it's like, he's like, Kim, think. Think about what you say before you say it and seek, ask me to bridle your tongue. I had to pray. I do a lot of praying. I had to do a lot of watching, think before I speak. And within about two weeks, the cuss words just stopped. And I never, heck, I never could get that. Praise God. He changes you. And it should be a change. That's getting baptized in the water. Change. According to God's word. So I want you to go to denomination when Jesus said he has no part of denomination. So you did the religious part. Now, what about the denomination part? Because I know you touched on it just a little bit saying it causes division, but break that down a little bit, because I think it's pretty uh, significant. With the religion, you got your Catholics, your Buddhas, your Muslims, your this, your that, your everything else, your Judaism, all this stuff's all really divided up. But within the church, you got your Catholics who um, I'll just spit it out who uh, asked that man behind the curtain for forgiveness. He confessed to that man, or they prayed to have 50 Hail Marys and what have you. You got your Baptists. They're divided up within themselves. 
your Southern Baptists believe in speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then some of them don't believe it's for today. And then you got your, you know, it's that's like, that's what I mean. It's just all divided up. But God's word is very simple. It's right there. We can't change it. People want to change his word, you know, and we can't change it. And there's a lot of arguments out there, which I won't get into this, but about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no trib at all, you know, no rapture at all and all this stuff. You know what? Jesus said, live every day of your life like you might die tonight. Every day. Don't get caught. And you know what? Let the word, it, all, all those answers for that, when that will happen, not a date, but the time frame is in the word. It's all in the word. But people got itchy ears, man. That's what Jesus said. They got itchy ears and whatever makes them feel good. We know what Jesus said. It may not always make you feel good to let Jesus train. You know what he said to transform your life? He said, take up your cross and follow me. Means it may not be easy, but I will help you. I will be right there with you with my righteous right arm to hold you up. I will take you under my wing. I will help you. You understand? But we have an adversary that's always shooting darts at us, adding confusion and, and, and making you not forgive yourself. And, and, and that's another form of pride Satan uses, which he tried to use on me. When you slip up, and maybe it's a big one, man. It's a big one, you know, and you slipped up and you, and you really have repented and you mean it from your heart and you try to stop. And Satan will use that pride to keep you with that guilt. Guilt is pride. I, I, I can't believe I did that. It's a continue. It's a puts a wall between you and God. Can't move forward, you know. And God has already forgiven you if you've repented. You know, get up and throw it away, and don't do it again. And move forward with God in His Word. He'll give you the helper. He'll help you. But Satan will use many forms of pride to try to bring us down to keep us from moving forward for us to be what God has us on this earth to be, because every one of us is so special to him. I had people reach out to me this week that, that their pastors told them that you don't have a purpose here. Pastor, that that everybody's not chosen. I said, no, few are, few are chosen. I mean, uh, many are called, but few are chosen. That means that very few actually give back to God. They don't give themselves to God. Everybody's here to be used by God, every single body but it's up to you. I always say, how much of God do you want? You know, and a lot of people are saying, I wish I could see Jesus, pray that I'll see Jesus. You know what Jesus said? I would say, you want to see Jesus? Then pick up your Bible. Get down on your knees and pray to him. Pick up your Bible. And I said that yesterday. I said, y'all know I'm special because I hear Jesus very good. You know, I'm special. You want to know how special you are to God? You can hear him too. Pick the Bible up. This is how I hear him. Pick the Bible up. You're just as special. Everybody is. He loves you more than you could ever love him. And speaking about love, I want to go a little bit back to your mom because you said you basically loved your mom more than God because you said your mom was your God. What would you tell the audience right now listening for those who unknowingly unconsciously love say their children more than God their spouse more than God their parents more than God what would you say to those people what they need to do and how they need to get there I've had people already say that you know for example we teach very heavily like God does to obey him put him first which most people don't do you know well what what if my kids are starving or something I said put God first because God wants to bless you you understand bless you and people that put God first he blesses he blesses so people that don't put God first well I'm an example uh it, it can bring you down to your knees in a very in a very painful way could be your kids could be your mama you know they're going home but you're gonna have to learn that lesson just like I did he took my mama home and it was very painful. And I had to learn that lesson to where now, now mama ain't here. Now I got God. I got to turn to God. I have to go to God. Yeah. I try to encourage people heavily, man, to give their life to God and put God first in every aspect because God will allow, you know, he'll bring you down to your knees and it, and it's, and it's, it could be very painful, but it's all for your better good. And when you abide in him through all that pain, man, you get this mega understanding of the why the situation happened in the first place, um, why he let it happen and how he will help you 
through it and beyond. You get this big understanding. But for some people so hard-headed like I was, um, he got to bring you down to your knees and it don't feel good, very painful, but it's for our better good. Like he took us to Israel, um, my YouTube channel this past um, October for 15 days. And we're there and something happened in Israel and we didn't have no tunnel on our itinerary. Next, we're going through the tunnel. We can't go here today. We got to go through the tunnel. And we're in this tight tunnel, three miles under the ground, a very tight, you got to squeeze sideways and crawl and stuff and everything else. And we're like, what are we doing in this tunnel, man? What are we doing in this tunnel? And I get home and I'm like, God, what are we doing in that tunnel? Boom, Kim, that's what I took you there for, that tunnel. Because every day of our life is going to be tunnels, tests, trials, until we get home. You know, and some people give up, throw up, throw their hands up, take themselves out, give up on God, walk away. God, you're supposed to be the one to take care of this. Why are you letting this happen? Well, it's something to do with you, something to do with me, something that God's trying to open our eyes to, to make him Lord of our life. And when he does, you have this mega understanding, knowledge and wisdom about the circumstance already. He grows us up. But some of us make it harder on ourselves. We really do, like I did. Well, you know what, Kim, speaking about your channel, where can people view your YouTube channel? Because I know you do a lot of ministry on there. Tell us a little bit about your channel and where they can find you and what the name is. Okay, it's on YouTube. It's called We Are Jesus Doers. Doers. We Are Jesus Doers. Um, Igor, uh, he's in Australia. He helps me out. God put him in here to help me out. He, he's so faithful. He's such a big help, y'all. He's so dedicated. So we go on, I put lessons every day. I get from God. I get them from God. And, and it manifests through here because people will say, that's exactly what I was praying about earlier yesterday or to, earlier today. And here it is. God tells me he does what to teach and he puts it out. I have an eighth grade education. I didn't know how to tell you, I never taught nothing. I never taught nothing. But now you and have now, a heaven education. <laughs> I am doing his work and God just coming out. And uh, so we, and then we go on Google meets three nights a week um, where we come in. Cause he said, forsake not assuming ourselves together. And for some of us, this is our church. And we come together on Google meets Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we have church and we had church so much the other night we stayed on for 10 hours, Friday and Saturday. We couldn't hang up. All of us couldn't hang up <laughs> and God is moving all over the place. Y'all he is moving, opening eyes, people coming in with all kinds of destructive doctrines that they've been taught that doesn't line up with the word. And now God is the one got to reveal, you know, and he's opening eyes. And um, so that that's all. Um, and we have a website, jesusdoers.com. Not we are just jesusdoers.com. But um, that's all. I, you know, that, that's it. I haven't written a book or anything like that. God hadn't told me to. I'll tell you about my testimony. You know, I don't have it. I got that's it. That's what I have. This is beautiful. And everyone, if you want to view her channel, if you want to view Kim Kill's channel, please check it out. We'll have all the information at the bottom. If you want to visit her website, please go there. I'll have it at the bottom too. But again, we are a church and we all have our parts of the body and Kim's ministry is a part of the body. So if you would like to visit her and if you would like to visit her ministry, please go there. Kim, could you do me a favor? Could you pray for everyone watching right now who may be struggling, who feels like they're going through a tunnel like you felt, who, who were backslidden and who just kind of dabbled, but they, they need to find their way. Could you pray for those right now who are searching and who really needs Jesus or who may even be stuck between religion, who may be stuck between religion and, and, or, or denominations or confu confusion. Could you just pray for everyone watching right now? Sure. I want to say that if there's anybody out there who feels like you fouled up so bad that God it don't love you and all this, you know, that's a lie from Satan. So if there's any doubt in your mind, anybody listening that you, if you died right now, you wouldn't go to heaven. You need to make a decision right now. You do to give your life to Jesus. Okay. And then we can work on, we can grow after that. So just ask Jesus to forgive you and save you. That's all you gotta do. And then grow, come and grow. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray over every single ear that's listening, every eye that's watching. I pray over Jennifer's ministry right now, God, that you just blossom it, Lord, like you're doing, because she's reaching a lot of ears. I pray for the viewers, God. And I thank, first, I want to thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you for, for the viewers that she has here.
for her putting out spirit-filled uh, testimonies, God. I want to thank you for that, that, that her viewers can trust her with that, that she seeks you, Lord. So I want to thank you for all that. And I want to pray the viewers, God, will just follow your will, your way. You are guiding them and directing them to you. And I pray that they give up their own will and they follow your will, that they hear your voice and they follow you, the great shepherd, the great I am, Lord. I, I come against the spirit of confusion. I come against the spirit of religion. In the name of Jesus Christ and denomination, I pray a hedge of protection around your people, that they will just fall in love with you, God, and they will build that intimate personal relationship with you right now, Jesus. They will make that decision while they're still here to make decisions, that they will choose you and they will follow you and will abide, abide. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. 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 Kim Kill. Thank you so much for this interview. Thank you so much for sharing your life. Thank you so much for sharing what the Lord reveals to you. I know that the Lord is going to bless your ministry. I know that you're going to lead so many people to Jesus through your obedience to him. So again, I do want to thank you so much for reaching out to our ministry and thank you for sharing this today. Thank you. God bless you.